What's up, podcast listener? If you're sitting at your desk or riding in your car, know that today you're joining a family of basketball professionals who are trying to change other people's lives through the game that changed theirs. This podcast is going to take you along the journey of basketball entrepreneurs and how they make a living from the game that they love. If I say anything, anything that gives you value in this episode, please go to iTunes and leave me a top five, top five, top five review. And now let's get to the show. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast episode. This is going to be an episode with an OG in the basketball player development space. His name is Chris Thomas. And what I think you're going to learn from this episode is how to know, at least for Coach Thomas, he's going to explain how he knew it was time to leave his financially stable job and how he trained even with the 14 hour a day job and how he selfishly he claims it was selfish selfishly went after his passion even when his family needed stability and had a daughter who had spinal bifida and all these other things going on and how he pushed through through in tough times and why basketball was a sort of therapy for coach thomas and we cover some of the more tactical things like the biggest mistakes basketball trainers are making and how coach thomas landed deals and worked for Nike, Jordan, Kobe, LeBron, and got a lot of other opportunities in the basketball space and his biggest tip for trainers who want to get noticed by those big brands and so much more. So again, this is an OG in the basketball training space, and I say that with the, the highest regard, the most respect. If you are in the Indiana area or anywhere near, you will know this man and you will appreciate this interview. So tune into it and the last thing that I will say is if you are not in our social media our Facebook group full of basketball trainers who are at the the top of the game on social media and offline too they are in the group Uh, you have Ben Tier, you have Coach Damon Altizer, you have uh, Coach Thomas who's going to be joining this group pretty soon Paul Easton of Drills and Skills Basketball and so many more who are active in this group and helping out then you need to be there. You need to be there learning from all these people. So go to the link in our description. Join that group. I will accept your request and hope you get some value from that and vice versa. So enjoy this episode. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining here. I have with me uh, Mr. Christopher Thomas, the founder at 100% Hoops. Mr. Thomas, Coach Thomas, how you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for joining. So, Coach Thomas, I mean, we won't have time to go over his entire resume because it's going to be too long. The show might end (laughs) before then. But, I mean, he's helped out at Maya Moore Academies. He's helped out with – well, he helps out with Nike, the pre-draft training camp, uh, turnkey challenges, owns his own business, has a family. Coach, I mean, what's what's the news? Like, you're not doing enough these days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like to stay busy, and I, I love me some basketball, so uh, I keep my life filled with everything basketball. Right. So what would you say uh, – actually, let's, let's start back in your background. You have an accounting background, but uh, can you take us back to your professional days? Yeah, uh, I went to Purdue University, initiated by a business opportunity program, Thanks to uh, Dr. Bell, who ran the program, sought out minor- minority students that uh, wanted to get into the business school and went through that. 
uh, graduated in accounting and then went to work for, at that time it was George S. Olive, a regional public accounting firm. So I did auditing for three busy seasons, 14 hour days in a suit and tie. And then I switched over to Ernst & Young and did healthcare tax consulting for a couple more years. So seven years of professional accounting services. And then in 2002, took the jump and started my own basketball training program. So tell me about 2002. Tell me how you knew it was time to leave the suit and tie 14 hour days. <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I went to Purdue. I went through the accounting program that's what I wanted to do. That's, that was my life's goal was use my education to create a career for myself and, and a white collar job and financial stability and all that comes with that. Uh, so for all I knew, when I graduated Purdue, I was living out my dream, my vision of who I was going to be as a, a real adult. So I was not drudging the, the 14 hour days in a business suit. It was more just having to wear a business suit and crunch numbers. Um, but besides that, nothing really told me to get out of accounting. Everything at that point in time told me stay in accounting, stay secure, stay financially stable, stay with insurance. Because uh, what happened years before that was 1998, we had a daughter born with spina bifida. And so... Uh, that changed life, that changed priorities, and it changed why I needed to work, uh, more specifically why I had to have insurance. My, my wife at the time had to quit her career because uh, our daughter was in the NICU for her first nine months of life. So, um, so that started the, well, shoot, if I'm going to have to work, why don't I do what I love versus do what I like. And that started my reason to want to do, if, if I'm going to fail, live, succeed, whatever, I'm going to do it on my terms. So that, that started the ball rolling. Like, mm, I really love basketball. I think I can do some stuff with basketball. So initially basketball training on the side was a therapy of, to get out and away from seeing all the the families under stress and duress of watching their babies suffer through a day or through an hour, including my own. Uh, and then it slowly, two kids went to four, went to eight, uh, went to 20, went to 40, slowly turned itself into an option uh, that, that could be viable business. So let's walk through that. I mean, 2002, you left. When was your daughter born? 1998. Okay, so you went four years. You had the stability at the the day job, and two thousand two. At this point, how many? Well, first off, how were you training and and working those <laughs> long days? Uh, well, the the cool part was there's a partner at Ernst whose two kids started my business, a ten and the twelve year old, and. Up to that point, they had never made their school teams. And in Indiana, unlike, excuse me, anywhere else, that's uh, that's a death sentence for a basketball career as a fifth grader and a seventh grader to not have major school teams. 
So he would help me either leave work or clients earlier or travel back quicker. Uh, he, he helped me facilitate working with his kids and not getting out of my work, but making it easier for me to leave work. So, uh, and, and then I had, you know, control over my schedule where I could schedule travel to accommodate a, a training, you know, schedule here at home. So, yeah, it was uh, a little bit tricky uh, at first, but then I just filled in gaps. So instead of taking lunches, if I didn't have a client lunch, I went to work out. Um, if I was in town, I worked out with kids before school uh, and right after work and after their practice, we'd meet. And it wasn't like a, you know, eight hour day. It's one or two hours. So it wasn't, wasn't as tricky, but just uh, it created a way, a path for me. And how many would you say, so you're doing this for four years, working a job and training at the same time. How many clients would you say you had before you knew it was time to go? Uh, about 20, 25 clients. Um, but what happened was I had, and I'll call them horribles only because they're average. Um, I had eight to 10 of the horribles. The kids that are average needed a whole lot of work. Either they could shoot, but not athletic or very athletic, but couldn't shoot. And then what added to, man, this could really work is I got a hold of a kid named Chris Thomas, uh, who was a eighth grader at the time. Very good, very like highly skilled. And then I got a hold of a guy who was playing overseas by the name of Mike Elliott. And so, you know, I had a, a pro and I had a high school incoming elite to match, you know, some average kids that I was working with. So it, the learning curve of how to work with different levels presented, hmm, this is, this could make sense. I can duplicate fundamental skills. And then I was getting into functional movement and learning the, the science of the body and how the mechanics work and movement patterns. And, and I was testing that on Mike Elliott and Chris Thomas and all these other kids. And everybody was getting results. It wasn't just the elite guys got better and, and the average kids stayed average is everybody was ramping up their play. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty much gave me the, the sense of if I had more time, if I had a couple more players, this could really work. I could prove my point. So it was more, it was more proven the results of your clients than it was, a certain number goal monetarily that you were hitting that you said, Hey, I can replace my income here. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I left financial stability. I left a career to do and follow a passion and, and create a dream world and a dream life. So money was never a factor. The only thing that was selfish was, grind and and made home expenses dealing with, with my daughter doing spina bifida therapies and and, and all that it, it's a little selfish going after a passion when we needed stability at that time 
how are you handling all this right now? You got your daughter who has spinal, dif- spinal bifida. You got your your wife. Maybe she's feeling some type of way. And <laughs> you got, I don't know how much money you saved up, but you have, you know, you have this dream you want to chase where you're conflicting being at a job that you like versus love. How are you? Tell me, did it, did it hurt? Was it painful with all those three things going on? No, it wasn't painful because I was focused uh, there. You know, there wasn't any room for failure. There wasn't any room to let me try this. And if this doesn't work, let me add a, you know, do Amway and do some side hustle stuff. It was like, no, my focus is I'm going to make this basketball thing work because I have no other choice. And at the end of the day, I could fall back and go back into accounting and put the monkey suit back on and live out life. But, uh, you know, call it stubborn or strong-willed. I just had a a high focus factor not to look back and just to, you know, go forward with makes sense. Well, okay, that's funny because a lot of trainers, it's different because you had a family. I mean, it's easier if somebody were 22, 23, and they didn't have responsibilities like mm-hmm. that. You did it when <laughs> when people are the when it's the most risky to do it right you got your identity there and, and something you built for this entire time so let me ask this question because um, i'm debating myself about the plan a versus the plan b thing if you have a plan b that means you're not really confident in plan a right mm. uh and a, a guy eric thomas i love watching him he talks about the safety net so with you was it a low number? Was it a few thousand? Was it a lot of thousands that you had accumulated over this time to make it less of a jump for you? No, it was, it was a low number. Cause you know, my wife had quit her job. So we were sure. down to one income and all my insurance was eaten up because of all the, the procedures and the hospital stays and the surgeries my daughter had to go through for her first three years of life. So, now there there was no savings, there was no inheritance, there was just a a full blown reason not to fail and and to make this thing make sense by being profitable, meaning limit the expenses. So it was me, six basketballs, and twenty kids. Wow! And you made it happen. I mean, t- okay, so you got all this going on. I mean, you've your focus, like all this stuff is going on. You're not focusing on it. Tell me about the the aha moment or the breaking point that helped you out, the breakthrough, uh, I should say. You know, it just, it just made sense. It just, I was getting so much joy, you know, waking up with the, with so many concerns as, you know, as my daughter, the, the procedure yesterday, is there any setbacks? Uh, you know, did she pick up another infection? Did, you know, so much stress on the, the home environment and being around the hospital environment that basketball truly was therapy. It was a release. It was being able to work with a kid that could actually run and jump, which knowing my daughter was relegated to a hospital bed and or a wheelchair. So it just, you know, it just gave me some solace and, hey, I'm actually helping someone else where I, I, you know, I'm helpless with my own daughter. Right. Okay. So 
you, you don't say you've broken free. You got you've gotten out the monkey suit. You are training kids full time right now. What are you doing for gym time? I mean, how do you find the availability? Yeah, and that's that's been the the tricky part of actually running the business. So I was fortunate again here in Indiana and in Indianapolis in particular. There's a a mass of multi-sport facilities and they, and they keep popping up even more so. Uh, I've been fortunate to be able to work with facility owners to negotiate court time uh, to make sure my business is secure. So if I set out to have training seven days a week, two or three workouts a day, my purpose is with the, to work with the facility owner and say, hey, I'm in this for the long run. It's not a short-term deal. Uh, let's work on a, a long-term business plan and relationship. So I just knocked that out right off front to make sure I can put on a website or, or you know, tell everybody that wants to train with me, here is my location, here's my times. And how did the owner respond to it? First off, how did you get his attention? And then how did he respond when you did get his attention? Uh, for her? It, well, for a lot of reasons, it makes sense for facility, facility owners because it's dead time that I was using, you know. So when kids are in school, nothing goes on during the day anyway. But then right after school, between three and six, you know, there's guaranteed income and they don't have to do anything but turn on the lights and open up the door. And then they can still run their leagues and whatever else they're doing for real revenue making. But it just adds value because, uh, you know, when they're running leagues and the teams and coaches and parents come in and see that there's training available to help their kids get better, then that just keeps the business in-house on both sides. So during the school year when, yeah, I mean, during those times, what, what, what were you doing during the school year when kids are in school, when the, the pros are overseas working out and you have negotiated this time block of, I'm assuming 12 to three or something like that. Maybe you said three to six. Are you, mm -hmm. are you hanging out during the beginning of the day, working on the accounting portion and then training from three to six or what are your days like? Uh, Early on, it was flying around, meeting the gurus of functional movement and exercise science and hydration and people in psychology, learning about psychosis of being an athlete. And so it was literally spending days and weeks educating myself on human performance, in particular to basketball. And then when I was here and not doing that, it was writing in my journal my plan or obviously spending time with my daughter uh, in the hospital. So, yeah, the days were, you know, there was no time wasted. Like I said, I, you know, I, I jumped at a very risky time to fail. Like there was imminent failure anyway and leaving a accounting career and job to, to do basketball training and not not just basketball training, but performance training for basketball players. Was there one time in your mind that you just said, you know what, thank God for this accounting knowledge while you were 
training full time and it was all on you. Tell me about that time. Uh, yeah, that time happens every day. And, you know, every time I see a kid walk in the door, it, you know, it's not a, a ching ching dollar symbol or, or thing. It's just like, OK, this is how business goes. I, you know, parent called last week, asked two questions and then kid shows up this week. And okay, how do I duplicate that? How do I quantify that to make sure the next time I get a call and person asks the same questions or more questions, how do I make sure they come through the door? Da da da. So yeah, I use my accounting background every day of my life. And and yeah, I'm thankful that you know I paid attention at Purdue. I'm thankful that I graduated. Probably more thankful that I got into business going going the public accounting route because that showed me a bunch of different ways and industries of business. And that kind of leads me to work with a bunch of different levels and and family situations, even dealing on the pro level with agents and organizations. Right. So what's the biggest objection? What's the biggest hindrance you've encountered from a parents. parent with with training parents it's it's almost always the parents and i say that lovingly because it's it's a parent that used to play or has played basketball at whatever level that expects their kid to be like they were or better than they were or it's it's a parent that's unrealistic uh about their kids level of athleticism or skill or it's even a parent that can write a blank check and expects their kid to be you know the next michael jordan or lebron james so you're saying their biggest objection to you when they're talking about the biggest reason for them not to spend for basketball training is because they think their kid should be better than them they have a they're not accurate in terms of their their kids skill level and what else or it's you know parents that that have all the resources to pay for training their expectation is they can write a thousand dollar check for one-on-one training and they expect you to produce the next Kobe Bryant or Maya Moore and you know, it, parents are unrealistic about the reality of sport. Like some kids can really shoot but can't jump, and some kids can really jump but can't shoot. And parents see my kid can run, jump, and shoot. So it must be the coach's fault why my kid doesn't play, or it must be your fault why uh, you know my kid can't make the A team. And how do you handle that? Uh, I stick to my guns. I tell the truth. I mean, that's the only way you can't sugarcoat life and reality. And I try to deal with my parents, players, and, and anybody from a realistic standpoint of, hey, here's the level I feel your kid is at based on my knowledge and experience in this. And, you know, fortunately, there's plenty levels of youth basketball. There's plenty levels of collegiate basketball, and there's plenty levels of pro basketball. It's just how willing are you to go after where you think you need to be or should be, and then 
how realistic are you at the end of the day chasing the dream? Right. Okay. So what transition in here, what do you see as a big, I want to see challenge, a big mistake that other trainers make in terms of setting a foundation for their business in the accounting portion or just in general? Uh, you know, the general business ethics, um, not returning calls, not showing up on time, you know, ending workouts early, um, starting workouts too late, only giving attention to one person in the group, the best player versus the other players. Uh, just, you know, uh, yeah, not, you know, just general business goofs or, or failures um, typically come into mind. And then probably the biggest one is not having a real passion for the sport or the game and having a money-driven profit motive only now what is that obviously it's bad for the industry with money being the only bottom line that somebody will have um, what are some other things that happen with that motive the money motive that you've seen uh you know money's the root of all evil so it, it changes relationships um you know at the end of the day trainers are responsible for a relationship you know bridging the relationship gap between player coach player parent so a lot of you know a lot of my relationship with players sometimes is it's genuine it's not professional it's a personal level to where if i allowed a money in you know a money focus or profit focused to, to rule the relationship, I'm losing a true friend that, you know, that we've created a bond with because the kid can't pay or the parent doesn't want to pay um, versus if I just say, hey, let me be real with you. If, if you can't afford this month of training or this workout, I don't mind. You, I don't mind that as long as the kid works, works hard. I know he's going to work hard because he's shown it to be. So... Okay, so let me play devil's advocate here because I do I see both sides. I see the side that favors friendship over just money, right? So the saying I'm in sales, right? The saying that we have is you earn a sale, you get a commission. You earn a friend, you gain a fortune, right? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when do you draw that line and say, look, this is I don't know if I believe you or not. You don't have the money this time. You don't have the money that time. How do you draw that line and still maintain the safe face and still maintain that relationship? Yeah. And it, that's the hard part. I mean, just because like in life with family and friends, just dealing with normal situations such as business, like you get burnt by people that dupe you. Hey, I'm bringing my whole team and two kids show up. So, you, you know, so it, it's just a learning lesson that happens, but you know, the, the business side, you, you have to take care of business. You can't give free workouts and, and, you know, put an offer sheet out there. Well, if the kid makes the A team, then I'll charge you this much, but if he doesn't, then I, I won't charge you. Or, you know, if your kid goes pro, then we'll just settle up at that time. Knowing that you can't pay for it now. Like that's not good business. So yeah, I mean, I, 
charge probably 90% of everybody that comes my way, but there's certain situations that it, it makes sense to be lenient and makes sense to be considerate uh, of, of the circumstance. And then if you profit from it, cool. If you don't, but at least I feel good about helping a kid that really wanted to come work. And it's kind of random, but just remembering your profile, how did you even get started working with Nike and with all these big clinics and camps? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There, there was never a interview or a resume submitted. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of like that saying it's, uh, it's just the people that, you know, uh, and, and to add to that, it's, it's the people that, you know, that know what you do. And I was just fortunate enough, I think, to have a couple people from Nike. Uh, I used to go to the all America camp when it was here in Indianapolis and then got introduced to a couple coaches or introduced me to a couple of Nike people and a couple of them knew or know that I was training at the time. So somehow I ended up being at the skills academies. And then from there, somehow I ended up going to China for Nike power factory and somehow Jordan brand classic came about and, Kobe Bryant, LeBron, and Kevin Durant tours. So, you know, it's weird, um, and it's lucky coincidence, or it's divine intervention. I don't don't know what to call it, but each opportunity with Nike, with Jordan, with John Lucas, with people I've been privileged to work with, it's the good thing is I've been prepared and ready for the moment. So a lot of this stuff is visceral for you. Like it's in your subconscious. You've just been doing it for so long that I guess it's tough to explain the practicality behind what you do. If there were a couple of, you've already mentioned it, like basic business practices, the the basics, the fundamentals. Are there any other specific tips you can advise trainers on the business front um, or any front that could increase their chances of being noticed by somebody at Jordan or another of these camps? Yeah, it's probably just educating, educating themselves. Uh, what do you mean, like reading or? Yeah, reading, um, going to seminars, learning about their market and their demographic. And like I was fortunate enough to understand marketing, uh, dealing with Nike, uh, you know, the, the marketing gurus, and then seeing how they use marketing to move a shoebox. Or, or promote a player, you know, so some of that, like I, how do they do it? Uh, they're great. And like everybody wants to be under the swoosh. And the only way people know about the swoosh is they put the swoosh on not just shoes, but apparel and their commercials are dynamic. And, you know, the, the players that have personality are promoted and, and given a, a, a platform promote their own brand but they're a brand of nike so you know okay. seeing seeing firsthand like a, a kobe bryant and everybody 90 percent of everybody doesn't know how hard he works they've heard about it but when you see it firsthand it makes you take a pause like mm, if i had the ability to push my people that 
choose to train with me, like he pushes himself, how much better would my business be? So that's why I say that experience has propelled my business because I've seen Kobe Bryant work out and not just read about it, heard about it. And I've seen the best of the best that Nike has do what they do when no one else has seen it other than the few people in the room. So having those experiences, you know, your question was, you know, what's the the tips is like, you got to learn from the best to be the best. So get around or, you know, get in front of people that are the best at what they do, no matter what the industry is and, and learn how they got there and what keeps them there and, and what's their drive going forward. I'm glad you said that because we have a question from some trainers who want to know uh, if you were getting started now, how do you go about finding a mentor in the game or would your, or how would you go about finding a mentor in the game? What are some steps you can that somebody on your level, what would appeal to you for someone reaching out and make you actually take some of your time out to help them? You know, it's kind of vetting out more so it's learning yourself. Like what, what type of trainer are you trying to be a shooting coach? Are you trying to coach and you need some training influence to help your role on within the organization? Um, you know, my, my thing was harder for me because I, 20 years ago, there were, coaches and they were shooting coaches and there were people that ran camps but there wasn't basketball trainers that I had in my mind I'm I'm trying to increase the skill level yes I'm trying to increase the performance level athleticism yes but I'm also trying to do the neck up part of training players is get them to actually think about and and have the mentality of I can compete with anybody because I understand the moment or I prepared for this, this way, not just physical exertion, but really, really getting down to the, the brass of mentality. I can conquer because I know. So, uh, you know, seeking out a mentor 20 years ago was me going out and talking to coaches and talking to retired players and um, you know being introduced to people that you know were around basketball be it agents or or people that were GMs or you know some whatever level in in the game of basketball I, I talked to a bunch of people and some people I liked I liked what they said and some people I didn't care for it and and but I, I appreciated the message and their time but uh, the people that have stuck with me are the people that they've proven over time that hard work pays. Uh, like John Lucas was one early on that got introduced. And I've stuck with him because he's probably one of the few people in my life that talk about having a story. Like he's he's got a story, <laughs> good, bad, and everything around it. And he's still doing basketball at a high level for a lot of levels of players. Right. So, okay. Last question here comes from, from a trainer again, um, for the, the, the men and the women who are currently employed right now, they have a job, they have a nine to five and they want to get started with this. They actually do love the game. What would you recommend? Let me make sure I get the question correct. 
what would you recommend to those people just getting started in that business um, and making it easier versus you didn't have a plan B, you didn't have a net, but what would you recommend to them making it easier for that transition? Yeah. Set yourself up uh, for success. So, you know, do it on the side. Uh, you know, don't, don't ruin a good thing until you know of a better thing. Like, like you have actually have a better thing. So in my case, it it has worked out uh, again because I had focus so and I have passion for this. But if I had to do it all again, yeah, I, I would I would do it on the side uh, like I I did initially. Uh, I probably wouldn't take a drastic jump until I had a a client base until I had a business plan that was secure and financially stable enough to you know break even not even just replace talking just break even so that way you're not taking that big a risk but again you're setting yourself up for success in that matter so um, I mean you gotta have a plan uh, you gotta have actions behind the plan that are productive and and then it's just if your product or service is that good how do you get more people to, to come to you. And then once you can figure that out, you got a business and that's when it's time to, to go into business. Well, how did you do it? That's actually another, that's actually another question. I know I said last question, but there's a series of questions right here and when I skipped over, but you just keep hitting them for me. You keep bringing them up. What are the different ways you went about it? I know word of mouth, your, your people in your circle. Yeah, word of mouth. And then again, my thing was, hard work pays so that the kids so the two kids that started my business the 10 and 12 year old who never made their school teams they both made their school teams and end up starting so it was just they they put in enough work where they got better they got good enough to make a team they got good enough to start to play more versus the year before they didn't make a team and and you know, Chris Thomas was already good when he started to come my way. And we spent a lot of time, you know, before school, sometimes at lunch, definitely after practice. Um, Gary Harris was an eight-year-old kid that, you know, he's got DNA. Mama was a superstar, professional player. and But an eight-year-old kid, you're not trying to create a pro. You're trying to instill work hard, get this down, get better. You know, be disciplined, be determined, you know, all the things you want an athlete and a young athlete to, to take in. But by the time Gary got to high school, you started to see that, okay, the kid is really good. And this could lead to college. You're never thinking NBA is coming. It's like, mm, I want him to play varsity. I want him to go to a D1 major college I, you know the pro prospect is so fleeting because there's so many spots so you know my thing is i'm gonna prove my point with each and every kid that i get to work with if they're if they're elite then i'm gonna make sure they can maintain that and and keep that going to extend their opportunities with basketball if they're not elite then i'm gonna work with them to make them good enough to just be competitive. They make a team or not, that's out of my control, but I can control how they compete and, and the level 
of play that they they attain. Wow, so that's good. And I think what I pulled away from that, what we talk about at Hoops Institute, we're going to start talking about a lot more is having a dream client, right? If you wouldn't have had those two kids, Chris and Gray, who who worked hard, who were definitely go-getters, who already had that innate motivation to work, it would have been probably a little bit harder to show the results of, you know, your craft, your product. And that's what we're trying to push people to do too, is to, you know, attract the person that you want to attract. Of course, you're going to pull some kids in there who aren't ideal. The, I don't call them the horribles. Like you don't, you don't mind teaching the horribles, but right, right. go after that kid. That's your best fit. And they are better sales reps than the trainer will ever be uh, when they talk to their peers and they, they show the results that you've gotten for them. Well, that's that true to you? Yeah. And that's kind of my hallmark is, you know, I've I've probably lost more business, lost more athletes because we do push-ups, sit-ups, lunges, and squats. And we might not touch a ball and we're 45 minutes into a workout and some guys just want to come shoot. And, you know, all the, the push-ups, sit-ups, all the conditioning, all the core strength, uh, I'm not interested in that. That that doesn't help my game, and they don't understand it. But for the, the people that do, you know, they are able to refer to others, you know, and help me vet out other athletes like, hey, CT, that player's pretty good, but uh, he ain't willing to work. So, you know, don't waste your time, you know taking a look at him or talking to his parents because you're going to be disappointed. So, you know, I've just stayed true to, I only know one way to get better. I only know one way to prove a point is to put in the work, put in enough work where you leave no doubt and remove all doubts. Coach, that's, um, that's a great note to end on. And again, I appreciate your time. I appreciate the, uh, the wisdom you've shared here uh if people want to learn more about you if they want to just follow your story what's the best place that you can send them to to see uh that? website website i don't uh unfortunately i i've learned from the best being nike with marketing but i'm not a marketer so i'm on instagram uh one world dominator but i can't say i'm the best at it i can't say i you know capture all my moments um through Instagram, but my website is uh, the number one and worlddomination.com. Uh, I mean, those are the two places, or catch me in the gym. So, but I appreciate you, uh, you know, reaching out and, and giving me an opportunity to uh, express. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Basketball to Business Podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and follow me on Instagram and Snapchat at MySonJones. And if you are not like me and don't need to burn all bridges, quit your day job and only bank on a plan A, and you want to make some money on the side by doing basketball training, check out www.hoopsinstitute.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Until next time, and remember, you are not alone in your journey to reach your dreams.